Radio Life Ray, episode 70. And we have a repeat guest that doesn't happen very often, but I'm really happy to say hello and hi to my, I don't know, should I say former or current boss, Brian Chung. Hi, Brian. Hey, Olaf. Good to be here. I, I always tell people, you're my boss, actually, because I work for you. Okay, I'll quote you on that. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. So to everyone who doesn't know the name or the voice, that's Brian Chung, who is the CEO of LifeRay or of LifeRay Inc. Or how do you say that? It's like of LifeRay, the international... Of, Just LifeRay. Of LifeRay. So yeah. I'm speaking to the CEO, so I better behave. And uh, I've that, asked that's him... Never been, that's never been true a lot, and you know that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's keep a facade up. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, well, we, we've uh, we've lived through funny stories through yeah. uh, some time of the history when you were in Germany. That started in 2010. And incidentally, we started in Germany within a week back in 2010. That's right. Yeah. So you were part of my welcome committee, as I like to say it. And uh, let's just start there, because we had an episode already, your repeat guest, and the episode is still available. Everybody can still go back to the history and listen to what we talked about then. Um, that was past 2010. But nevertheless, what do you remember from that time? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I actually still remember it was... Um It was April of 2020. 10. Um, I think I actually flew to Frankfurt like the last week of March. It was like March 22nd or so. Um, and, you know, we had had actually some issues in the office. And so uh, me and the other Brian's went over to kind of sort things out. Um, it, it was actually extremely chaotic because we didn't, understand how to run uh, a business in, in Germany, which is essentially what I ended up having to do very quickly. <laughs> yep. um, and I, I remember, I, I believe it was maybe April, maybe it was the May timeframe. It, it probably was the May timeframe where, so we had come in, I had stayed for a few weeks after. And then I, I quite remember clearly that uh, one of our team members very cautiously came up to me and kind of said, Hey, you know, so it's the beginning of the month and we all have to pay our rent for our apartments. And, uh, well, we were wondering if you had run the payroll and, you know, I, I had come from the U S where we were already, you know, 50, hundred people and we had people to do that. <laughs> and, um, well, well, suffice to say, we learned very quickly that we were responsible for running the payroll on a monthly basis. Um, and all sorts of other things that uh, that took a lot of getting used to, but it was a interesting and uh, incredibly um, exciting time for me to learn and to to grow the business here in Europe. Yeah, and that's a good feeling for the date because my first day was April first, so um, you came about a week before me, which means like good fit. I mean, what I remember from that time is in order to get my company account, uh, which was my prior personal account. So it got repurposed by Brian, who was in the office then, Brian Chan, who was in oh, the yeah. office. But in order to get my account, I couldn't get it on day one, like not on April 1st. 
because he needed to fix a null pointer exception, uh, deploy okay. new code, okay. and then restart the server. And uh, then I could get my company account with a day or two delay. So that's well, what and, I remember. And I don't know if everyone knows this uh, on your audience, but we, I, I mean, until very recently, it was, it was just three months ago, I think. Um, I was 11054 at liferay.com. Um, you were probably something in the six figures. Um, but this was all because, well, you know, what happens if a, a female employee gets married and changes their name? Or what happens if you hire two Brian Kims, which actually has happened, <laughs> which has happened. not just once um, in our history. So it's like, you know, having a unique identifier for your email address totally made sense. Um, so I, I don't know if you remember your identifier still. Well, it starts with, it starts with one three, but I never remembered it. It was always in the password manager. So one three, blah, blah, blah. And I could yeah. look it up, but, oh, it's actually, it is, we, we were always curious who was two, four, six, oh, one at life.com. It is someone in the France office. Maybe it is seven digits. So one, three, three, nine, seven, six, eight is me. That's a yeah. good number. So that's like the earlier you joined, the lower your number, the less digits yeah. your number has. Yeah. And it was like how many blogs and web content articles have been created since the time that, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's like the, the original unique key from some Liferay uh, installation, the original one. Uh, yeah, well, memories back then, so... Um, you are uh, back in the US. Uh, I cannot remember for how long. It's probably four years now ish. Yeah. So I left Germany um, three and a half years. So September of 2013, I think. And then I lived in the UK for a year and then got back to the US at the end of 2014. Oh, already? So, yeah. So it's been six, six and a half years. Yeah. Okay. And since that time, I got married and I had a baby boy recently. So oh, congratulations! How did I miss that, or did I miss that? Yes, I missed that. You, yeah, you. Yeah. I talked about it at DevCon. I guess you weren't there. Maybe well, during, wasn't during that my talk. wasn't that in in the future or was that in the past or was that so at last DevCon I I announced that I was working on a secret project which was right. fun. Yes. Yeah. So when was release date? Uh, May twentieth. Okay, yeah, then I missed it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks Somehow so that well. didn't make a big kerfuffle um, in the company, or I totally missed it. It went over my head. It, yeah, it was. I, I left little Easter eggs here and there, but <laughs> we didn't have a meeting about it. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was wondering, you are one of the founders of the company, which mm -hmm. means you started when the company was four people, mm -hmm. and you are the CEO of a company that now has order of magnitude, a thousand people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How? <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> oh, how do you get from do, four to a thousand? How do you get from four to a thousand keeping sanity and uh, staying the nice guy that you, I guess still are. I have no counter proof. Yeah. Well, that's a big question. Um, as far as our growth, um, yeah, it's funny. My, my baby cousin just turned 26 and I was realizing that 
that's the age I was when we started Liferay. And so, you know, I'm thinking about having a talk with her about starting a company, but uh, <laughs> I was looking at her, it's like, man, like, I can't believe I was that young when we started Liferay because <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you celebrate every birthday, you kind of go year after year, symposium after symposium, product release after product release, and you just experience the incremental changes mm-hmm. as an individual and um you kind of think, well, I'm the same person that I was last year. And I extend that out and you think I'm the same person that I was when I was 26, but um, clearly there's change. Um, and I think that's probably relevant to life ray as well. Um, in many ways we are, I think the same people in the same company. And that's something that I consider very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think one of the biggest challenges of, of being a C-level is that you may not be aware of the relational dynamics. So I'm talking with you all often. I think, yeah, this is the way it's always been. Like we've been very candid, honest, and just person to person. Mm-hmm. And maybe in your mind, you're like, oh, I got to talk to Brian. I got to be really nice to him. Um, hopefully that's not the case. Um, no, it's not. That's just a candid joking. Uh, <laughs> I'll totally be mean on you anytime. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> so I, I think we've, I mean, answering part of your question first, how have we sort of kept the culture and, and stayed true to who we are? It's, I can't say it's easy, but it's also not hard if you just decide that that's what you want. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all decided that that's very, very important to us. Um, and, and whether it's, you know, making sure that um, we have this conversation, you know, because it's, yeah, it's an episode of Radio Life Ray, but it's also for me a chance to catch up with you and to make that connection, mm-hmm. um, you know, to um, conversations I had with Malen before he decided to leave Liferay, um, getting an email from him and then hopefully finding the time to <laughs> reply to that email and, and to foster that relationship. Um, I, I think it's just about what you decide is important and then acting on that. So um, over the last 16 years, um, not just the leaders, but really all the people at Liferay, I think, that's what we've done to, to stay the same company. Um, now, having said that, I, I do think there are meaningful ways in which we've had to change. I don't like to say grow up because it implies that, you know, adults have to be practical and, and mean and selfish um, or whatnot. But um, I do think there's a way to live up to our core values. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also... Um, be really effective and impactful in the marketplace, um, which any tech company operating in 2020 has to do um, in order to be relevant. Um, As far as the growth, um, really it hasn't been possible without open source. Um, The fact that we are in, you know, 20, 25 countries around the world is precisely because of open source. Um, I happened to speak with an entrepreneur in Israel who's based in Nazareth 
And um, he hadn't worked with Liferay before, um, but he kind of looked into us a little bit and he said, oh, I noticed that there are people who use you guys in Israel. Now, um, I don't know if the listeners notice Israel isn't a sizable part of our business, um, but there are developers and organizations using Liferay as part of open source. That's not something you can just decide to do easily. Um, I can't say today I'm going to um, get people in Iran to use my software or people in, in Mongolia and then make it happen without spending lots of money on marketing or developer programs or whatever it is. And with open source, that just came very, very naturally um, as long as the product was um, credible and valuable, which um, it certainly was. Um, and so that's really been the secret to our growth as well. Um, becoming a thousand people was a response to uh, the demand that was fostered by um, our, our open source heritage and just getting uh, good technology into the hands of smart people. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, I mean, that brings me back. I'm jumping a bit in time, but that brings me back to 2008 when I started using Liferay and uh, the first European symposium, which you also mentioned, like symposium after symposium. And 2008 was literally the first European symposium, which mm -hmm. happened three weeks after I discovered the product. And mm -hmm. back then there was only community edition. So there was no distinction. There was no commercial version. There was nothing. But at that symposium, there was an announcement the morning of the second day that there will be an enterprise edition. Mm -hmm. And that was all the rage that day. And people were fearful that, oh, now you're turning your back on us and now you're turning fully commercial. So back then, I was hoping that wouldn't happen. And... I, I couldn't decide between like, oh, being open source is like really nice and uh, providing something for free is really nice. It doesn't mm -hmm. entitle me to get the next version free as well. I would definitely welcome that. But back then, back in 2008, I still remember vi vividly there was the promise. And I think it was Brian Kim back then who said, no, no, we'll stay open source. There's no problem. This will be a complimentary offer for those who need the support. Yeah. Now it's 2020 and we do have an open source version. So mm -hmm. that's now 12 years in the going of that promise being kept. And as you said, open source is at the heart and quite open. I mean, that's kind of my way with the community and I can really attest, yes, that's it. And I'm answering lots of questions in the community. So, which means even during my working hours, I get some time mm -hmm. to help mm -hmm. people for free. Uh, but in the end, uh, other people pay. That is the enterprise <laughs> yeah. support, right? <laughs> so, well, well, everyone pays something, right? Everyone pays something. I, I always yes. say we're grateful for the time and energy that any developer, you know, even cares to spend on Liferay because, quite honestly, there's so much great software out there. Um, open source or not, um, you know, and, and I'll be very frank, like Liferay has not always done a great job of being at the forefront of the latest developer trends. And so sometimes we haven't been as relevant and um, maybe less interesting to, to a lot of developers as well. So mm -hmm. anyone spending time on, on Liferay is investing. And uh, we, we think that's really important. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. That, that's how I phrase my initial contributions to Liferay. When I used the platform and started to answer some questions, I started to answer Tomcat questions because that's what I knew and Liferay I didn't know. Um, but my way of looking at it was uh, this was the way I'm paying for the open source product. Mm -hmm. So I would say that very much resonates with myself. Um so how, do, how does it feel now compared to earlier? Uh, so you already said about like the values and, and keeping everything the same, but you probably have different worries feeding a thousand mouths compared to feeding four. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. or, or did that scale with age? Uh, so does it still feel like you'll have to... Uh, you're still worried about all of those people because even four can be all of those people. Yeah. Um, I, I talked about this recently. I think the biggest challenge ahead for life, right? Is so I, I love our people. I love our culture. I love that so many people at life, right? Our friends, uh, they enjoy working together. Um, I also love the fact that we are all super helpful, uh, responsive, ready to solve any problem that a customer, partner, or even community member kind of um, brings our way. Um, so there's this real desire to serve at the heart of life, right? Which I think is good. Um, I think there's a lot of room for us to also lead with knowledge, lead with expertise to be willing to guide a customer or a partner and say, well, I really recommend this way of doing things. I mean, certainly on the Liferay side, um, in some ways, Liferay has always been very flexible. So we say, well, you could do it this way or you could do it that way. And here are all these configuration options to let you do that. Um, I think we can get into a point where recognizing that customers, partners, community members don't have a lot of time to figure everything else, everything out from scratch um, for us to say, look, we thought about it. Mm -hmm. We think this is the best way and, and let's show you how. So kind of being willing to, to lead um, in addition to serving is the cultural challenge for us. Um, what that's meant has been, um, at least in my world, um, in the sales and marketing realms, um, hiring seasoned, experienced leaders uh, for those areas of the business who also then bring some of those recommendations to um, to our customers as ways that they can um, change the way they do business, I guess. Um, so just putting a concrete example in that, I think... Um, so in the past, I remember, you know, one of the big selling points of Liferay was, hey, we run on any app server database uh, operating system. So you choose customer. And I remember customers would say, well, which one do you recommend? Like, which one's going to be easiest for us to deal with? And we were really, really wary to say that. Um because we and Olaf, I remember you were famous for this. Uh, we love to say it depends, you know, and to some level that's true. But I, I remember at some point, life race support was like, okay, you know what? Let's just say Tomcat, that's the thing that most people use. 
that's the thing we had the most experience with. So all things being equal, just use Tomcat, right? Now, you know, talk about Tomcat now, like people laugh, right? Um, now the challenge is making recommendations around, around containers and things like that. So, and that's kind of what we're trying to do with DXP Cloud, essentially, mm-hmm. is, hey, don't go figure all that stuff out by yourself. We have purpose-built um, this pass um, to do DevOps with Liferay. Um, so that you can focus on things that are important to you and to the people who pay you. Um, so we're trying to do that more um, and we're seeing some success, but we also have a long way to go. Uh, I actually now have a proper answer. It's no longer it depends. I, I answer it yeah. depends to every other question, but I have a proper answer, like a definitive answer to the what should we run on question. And I'm able to give the answer as soon as I get the counter answer, uh, like the answer from that customer to the question, uh, what is your team able to run and recover in terms of disaster recovery? So what are they aware of? What do they know mm-hmm. already? Because it doesn't really help to recommend Tomcat if they are a WebSphere shop and they have a clue about WebSphere and that's just rock solid and finger snip and it's back after a disaster right. when they have no clue about Tomcat. So right, right. Um, I now first ask that question and then uh, the answer is exactly that. And right. if they say, now nah, we don't have any, well then, yeah, of course, then it's Tomcat. Right. <laughs> so to me, that's my new answer. It's actually my new answer for, I guess, about eight years. <laughs> Feels like it. I don't know. I have left an opportunity slip because I didn't want to interrupt you because mm-hmm. uh, while we are recording this, we are st- – well, the, 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 the opportunity that I let slip is when you said so you're encouraging everyone to lead and to serve and to make people aware of everything that they can and should use. And while we are recording this, ding, 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 here's the little ad – And I hope that also during publishing, the call for paper or call for submissions for DEF24 is still open. So, um, Oh, right. (laughs) I'm definitely planning to have this episode out before DEF24, but if we're lucky, I get it out just while the call for submissions is still open. And to the listeners, you have heard, Brian, um, if you have something to brag about, if any of the engineers who have built something want to brag about their product, want that, want to see that used, help us use it and submit. Back from the ad. <laughs> Can't go without that. Uh, you've already mentioned, uh, you've already mentioned DXP Cloud, which is a new product. So we are no longer a one product company, but a Four product company, one, two, three, four. Uh, how yeah. does that come? What's the story behind that? Yeah. Um, one of the things I've learned over the years is that when, as a C-level, you say something, it actually ends up somehow, sometimes it thinks, it seems that Somehow it seems that the things you want people to remember, they forget. And then the things that you didn't expect them to remember, they do. <laughs> um, so around That's 2018... dependent on sea level. <laughs> yeah. Around 2018, I think uh, Brian Kim and myself and others made a big deal about the fact that we are a multi-product company. And that seems to come up a lot. Um, and, and we've since sort of moved on and said, well, ultimately the products don't matter. It's, it's what do our buyers need? 
And how do we deliver against those needs? Drawing from all the things that Liferate can offer. Um, and that might be a product. It might be an accelerator. It might be some way of doing things that we recommend to the customer. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll, preface, I'll preface it by saying that, uh, you know, it, it's nice that we have multiple products, um, but we've since realized that um, customers may not even care about our beautiful, shiny new you know, cloud thing or analytics thing that we're so proud about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our product suite is interesting because it has a broad range of origins on the DXP cloud side. Um, Eduardo Lundgren, who, you know, for me was always this like um, genius engineer who couldn't quite get the rest of the world to understand all the things that he saw. Um, working on what used to be called WeDeploy um, for for several years. Um, and then essentially because he was solving the problems that he and other Liferay people were experiencing, delivering Liferay product releases, but also um, Liferay-based projects, um, he was like, you know, like the way that Liferay required that project development and deployment to be done was just so painful and difficult. Um, that really led to, I think, a lot of what became DXP Cloud. Um, and it was also his wrestling through, well, um, how do I kind of understand Liferay in a containerized world and uh, continuous deployment, continuous integration? Um, oh my gosh, there are so many different tools out there, so many different options. How do I choose the best ones and then make them all work together nicely. So as he was solving those problems kind of for himself, he realized, well, this is a problem that a lot of people are going to experience um, out there using LifeRan. So that's kind of how DXP Cloud came out really as a sort of an incubation within LifeRay, um, but giving, uh, I think, freedom to uh, some of the best talent in our company um, to solve these difficult problems. Um, commerce is really cool because uh, commerce's origins came out of the open source community. Um, one of the reasons I think we've been so successful in Europe is because of the general embrace of open source in you know the European market um, by developers, and um, especially in Italy, Liferay has had um, you know probably about a twelve-year history of um, really enthusiastic. Um, members of our ecosystem, small integrators, um, independent developers. Um, and so the lead of um, commerce, Marco Leo, was actually, he owned a systems integrator company that did B2B commerce implementations for mid-market and enterprise uh, Italian manufacturers um, and other B2B companies. Uh, but he did that using Liferay as the platform, and then he added uh, customizations to that um, in order to deliver those commerce solutions. Um, and the way that he did it was so consistent with uh, Liferay's sort of design principles and our architecture uh, that when Brian Chan saw what he was working on, um, he immediately wanted to bring him and... and um, Marco's team into the company. And so we ended up um, bringing Marco into Liferay. 
um, he was then able to build the life rate commerce product from scratch. And again, this was more serendipitous, serendipitous um, or which is another way for dumb luck <laughs> on life rate's part. Um, that Marco was a person who was already thinking, how do I not just build a lot of cool features um, or just work on sort of random requests to improve the platform broadly? But how do I actually solve real customer problems mm-hmm. using a combination of LifeRay, the base platform, and, and some additional things? So I think uh, what's what's really interesting about what happened with commerce is that um, even though LifeRay Commerce is a product, it really is a solution for B2B sellers. It's, it's a way to help them um, enable customer self-service or uh, to take orders online for companies that are used to doing um, order taking over the phone. Um, it's a way of enabling um, customer knowledge management and helping uh, customers understand how to use products. Um, there's this one really cool feature in commerce, um, which is like this exploded view. Let's say you have an engine, you have a schematic diagram, you can actually click through and then see how it all um, breaks apart and then actually find that one, you know, spare part for the camshaft and get a part number and then click on it and actually add it to your cart. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a cool feature, but it's born out of a very specific business need, which is, I'm the guy at the mechanic shop and I need to figure out um, how to, you know, replace that part in this engine for my customer. Um, and, and that whole experience is going to make it easier for me. Um, so I love the fact that, you know, Marco came out of our community. It was innovation born out of and driven by customer needs. And then that led to us uh, being able to develop a product that comes a lot closer uh, to being relevant to a business. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I think um, with Analytics Cloud, um, that was really just born out of our um, mainline engineering department and development processes. And really, I think what happened there was we saw all these people using Google Analytics because it was free. Um, And I think we would argue that Google Analytics is really great at or designed for high-volume public websites with anonymous visitors, which is great. Um, and there are other products that are good for that, like uh, Omniture, which is now Adobe Analytics um, and so forth. But um, we found that it creates a lot of work for people who are trying to understand and measure groups of known users on more authenticated sites like customer portals and intranets. Um, and then Google Analytics, because it's kind of created for this all-purpose broad uh, use case, um, there's a lot of work you have to do to like manually tag. Like if there's a certain page on a website that has a certain meaning or there's a button on that page that you want it to, to mean something in your sales flow or even specific pieces of content like uh, PDFs and stuff, you kind of have to manually tag all that stuff. And then on the reporting side, you have to do a lot of work just to make sense of the data. And so we saw an opportunity with Analytics Cloud to say, look, for the ways that people are using LifeRay, can we eliminate a lot of that guesswork and just automatically ascribe meaning to the things that already have meaning in LifeRay so that it's 
um, a lot easier for people to just focus on, okay, so what is then the data telling me about what the users are interested in, what they're having trouble doing, um, and then how can we improve those things? Um, and then the other thing, I, uh, sorry, I feel like I'm pitching the product, which is not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is not a sale, you know, this is not sales. So uh, you can call BS on all of this stuff. Um, um, but the other thing we're trying to do is like, let's not just measure things for marketing and like kind of targeting offers at people or whatever, but let's also say, Hey, if, um, there's a thing that half of my employees have to do every day, like there's some process or form they have to fill out and it's just like really badly designed. And maybe some of these fields at the bottom should be at the top or vice versa, um, is there a way that we can kind of measure that and then improve the efficiency of those processes? That's kind of the other big challenge we're trying to solve there that maybe isn't addressed by the uh, traditional marketing analytics tools. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a great, great just strike through all of the new offers uh, where new is in in air quotes already because it's been quite a while that we have yeah. so as you said we're, you're already transitioning from multi-product to well we're, we're delivering solutions whatever customers are asking for uh, and these are the areas that we have productized uh, that many customers are asking for so that totally makes sense oh and by the way shout out i have contacted marco already but he manages to escape me quite consistently Yeah. So I'll use this as uh, the cause to now really get him and don't give him any slack on uh, on postponing uh, anymore. Now that uh, leaves me. I, I don't really have anything big in my head right now that I'm really curious about. Uh, maybe there is something that I should be curious about, but then you wouldn't tell me if you didn't tell me yet. But having mentioned Dev24 already and having mentioned that you might not be that technical in the product anymore and Dev24 being largely about what's new in LifeRace 7.3. Let's say I hold your feet over fire because you're working for me. And I say mm -hmm. you must submit some content for Dev24. Uh, that talks about anything new in... LifeRay 7.3, what would you offer? <laughs> um, I would talk about collection pages, actually. <laughs> um, because it's just something that I've personally thought would be really useful in LifeRay for probably a decade. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, my, my product managers and engineers tell me that we finally um, delivered that in 7.3, so... That's what I would talk about. So what's that? Um, or or so do you, do you submit that? Is, or or will you, will you explain now or will you explain during the live stream? Yeah, so I, it, <laughs> I'll explain it now. <laughs> okay. Um, Granted. Yeah, so let's say I've got like, um, I've got 100 PDFs. They're all, they're all marketing BS, right? They're all like white papers and... Um, you know, seven ways to highly motivate your employee, whatever, right? Like you've got a hundred of those and you got to get those on a website somewhere. And I think up until now, basically to do that in LifeRay, you'd have to kind of make a page for each of those PDFs. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and collection pages simply says, okay, here's a template. Here's that collection of 100 PDFs. I want you to basically auto-magically create those 100 pages um, using that library of 100 PDFs. And you're going to draw from the metadata of the PDF to basically populate what goes on the page. But you, you only have to create that page once. Okay. Um, and and that, that's been something interesting to me since my days of working at uh, uh, IFAD in Rome, the uh, International Fund for Agricultural Development, because they kind of had that use case. Um, and uh, we were always trying to find ways to jerry-rig LifeRay to do that, which, you know, that that's the beauty of open source. You can do that. Um, but um, it's always a lot easier if it's baked into the product, which, you know, in the last two, three years, how far we've come with uh, our web experience management stuff is um, is actually kind of worth using for <laughs> websites now, uh, more so than it was maybe uh, before all of the investments we made. So so that's what I'd be um, most excited about, um, just from the purely geeky side of things. Okay. Um, I, I, there's probably other answers I'm supposed to give as the CEO, like about you know. Uh, you'll you'll it's it's okay to decide for one, and if if you try to give all, you'll forget someone, and then those people will be annoyed. But I can say, submission accepted. <laughs> and knowing that you might not be too detailed on that, but you are in a position of power, you are allowed to delegate that to someone who oh. can give the proper. Um, uh, the proper explanation. How's that? Yeah, I would. I would say that you have that same fallacy that many people have that uh, who think that sea levels have power. <laughs> <laughs> you can try. I mean, uh, just delegate it to someone and see how they react. Yeah. Uh, perfect. So IFAD and Rome uh, opens a whole new can of worms, but we are, are already a couple minutes over the allocated time, and uh, I want to be respectful of that. Hello, Olaf here from the editing table. You know, it's August 2020, and after we finished recording, we figured a conversation with a CEO of a thousand person company cannot go without ever mentioning the pandemic. We were a little bit time pressed because Brian needed to go to his next meeting. And also he mentioned, ah, I think everyone's tired of hearing about coronavirus, but nevertheless, we recorded a couple of minutes and a short statement on it. And I've decided to change history, which means to shuffle around the order and then close the meeting, close the conversation as we did before. So in a recent leadership meeting, um, our, our leadership team has a channel on Slack and um, we were sharing articles about the impact of coronavirus on the economy and especially how it was impacting small business owners um, and how, you know, families like ours, but those who just happen to not be running a software company in the digital space, but, you know, running a restaurant or a local hardware store or whatever it is um, and the impact it's had on them. Um, a lot of these businesses having to be shut down. Um, and uh, yeah, it's heartbreaking. And I think the two takeaways for us were one perspective, just to be extremely grateful to have life, right? 
as our livelihood, to be able to do this as our work and to continue uh, to grow the business and be successful in this environment. And then second, I think, you know, we can't fight every battle, but I think we can all do our part to help support um, some of those local small businesses. And so I, I know that I, I'm trying to do that. Our family's trying to do that. Um, and I think in general at LifeRay, we um, try to do our part, but uh, for our listeners out there, you know, so in the U.S., we have this very odd practice of, of tipping, um, <laughs> which doesn't exist in any other part of the world. But there's been this uh, a lot of social uh, conversation dialogue about what's appropriate. You know, now everyone's just doing takeout. And, you know, do you still need to tip? And, you know, the, the consensus seems to be absolutely, if not um, actually more um, and without being too draconian about it, I think the principle is just, look, um, if you're making out well through this crisis, then maybe there are ways that you can personally um, help those around you. And um, I think, you know, knowing our ecosystem, I'm sure so many of you are already doing that. Um, I talked to partners earlier this year who are, you know, basically contributing coding time, developer time to um help with the pandemic and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I think that's really cool too. There's all, all sorts of things that we can do to get through this together. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's a like short, short session about Corona um, as, as short as everybody can stand. Olaf again from the editing table. We are now back in the original order of the recording. I would love to end with a question to you, Olaf, which is, um, so you've been here for 10 years. Um, you've seen Liferay um, change over the last 10 years. Um, some things for the better, some things for the worse. Um, what's one thing that you're happy has stayed the same, one thing you wish would change, and one thing that you regret that did change? Wow, that's uh, that almost gets philosophical. <laughs> I gotta say, I feel like uh, this may or may not be true. I don't know. I feel like I still have a lot of levels of freedom within the company, which I like uh, over some parts. Um, I was a little bit clueless if I have that level of freedom or not, or if I should use that level of freedom or not. Mm -hmm. uh, so just Radio Life Ray. I've started it, I believe, in 2011, which was more or less a hobby product or a hobby project where I said, well, can I use the name? Can I publish that? Can I get some company resources? I don't care if it's free time or not. So basically, I'm, I'm working on my hobby right now. Uh, and uh, just those those options. Same with Dev24. So I've suggested that and uh, got an enthusiastic yes. And uh, now uh, that is what I'm working on, uh, even though it doesn't really fully fit my, my job position. So that's what I enjoy. And at times I'm wondering, like, should I really do that? I mean, should I... Should I just do what my, my position says or uh, should I do what I think makes sense? 
So I love being able to do what makes sense or what I think makes sense. Sometimes I'm feeling like uh, maybe I shouldn't. So there's that's kind of everything in one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what I what I really enjoy is that uh, during the time here as an introvert, I have really learned how to deal with it. So technically, I'm not really a people person, but mm -hmm. I totally am. So nobody believes mm -hmm. me any more than I'm an introvert, but I am. Right. <laughs> so uh, that's basically what I've been clear about or what I what I came to terms with during the time at LifeRay and during involvements like symposiums, DEF CON, unconference and, and community meetups and uh, retreats that we had with the company. And this is the original closing time for the meeting. Now Brian really had to run for his follow-up meeting and I'd like to apologize to those who we have left waiting. But as you could hear, it was well worth the time. Thank you, Brian. Thank you to all of the listeners for listening to Radio Life Ray, for subscribing. And yes, I'm promising we are working on an update for the Radio Life Ray homepage. It already has its designated new home, but we need a couple more steps before we can finally have all of the current episodes back on its own homepage. As long as that didn't happen yet, you can still find all of the episodes on the Radio Life Ray feed. So please subscribe, please comment, please like, please recommend us further. And also keep 24th of September in mind, keep DEF24 in mind, submit content. And I'm looking forward to seeing you as viewers of the stream. <laughs>